You're listening to Car Free Midwest. We're a podcast based in Omaha, Nebraska, exploring the stories, barriers, and joys of getting around without a car. Our goal is to build a community around more transportation equity and less car dependency. I'm Sarah Johnson. And I'm Joshua LeBure. And, and this, this is Car, is car Free, Free Mid- Midwest. West. Mid South. But yeah, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, yeah. So I'm Anthony Viong. I created Car Dependency Index back in August last year, so it's still a pretty new project. Um, I'm here in Winnipeg in central Canada. Um, it is kind of the Midwest. It's definitely got a Midwest vibe, the like design of the houses and the way people talk even. It's a little bit Midwesty. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, one of the most car-centric cities I've ever been to and um, yeah I'm fighting I'm fighting for walkable cities for less car dependence less car-centric design I think it links so many different social issues together so much injustice is connected to sort of like has the bottom common denominator of car dependence Awesome. Yeah. How did you, um, well, I guess I'm still curious a little bit more about who Anthony as the human being is before we jump into what the car dependency index project is. What brought you to Canada and like, what's your background? I see you have some like climbing related things. In the background. <laughs> uh, who, who are you as a human before we jump into your cool project? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um, I am in Canada because of my partner. Yeah. We dated long distance for a long time. Um, I lived in Portland, Oregon before this. I did my undergrad there and um, moved here for love. Yeah. And I did my a master's program here too. Um, I do love climbing. Huge <laughs> climbing nerd. Um, yeah, I've got a hangboard in my background there. And yeah, I love when a big people are always surprised I moved here. They're like, oh, you're from LA. Obviously LA must be better. No, I, I kind of like it better here. It's a little bit we have seasons. Um, the bike infrastructure is actually better than LA. I haven't just visited. I kind of noticed that. It has its charms. I am curious about how, so you, I know this is a rather new project, this car dependency index. Um, I think I first came across you probably on Instagram. And then one of our listeners, High Five to Addison, uh, was like, you should bring on the car dependency index guy and chat. So mm-hmm. Yes, high five to Addison for the recommendation, and thanks for humoring us and coming on our little Midwest uh, podcast here. But tell us a little bit about kind of how you came up with the project and uh, what what you're doing with that. Yeah, absolutely. So the project started out, um, I actually made the spreadsheet, Car Dependency Index spreadsheet at the beginning of this year. Just wanted to sort of compare transit and driving in different cities, see, sort of like create a metric um, on how car dependent a place is, how car centric a place is based on how transit performs against driving. Created this spreadsheet in January, had no idea what to do with it. I was like, oh, maybe I'll create a website. Got overwhelmed by that, gave up. Uh, In August, I was in Hawaii, where is also where some of my family is from. And um, I'm in Honolulu, which is an incredibly car centric city. You'd be shocked. I mean, it has like 16 lane highways. It's unbelievable. And I just felt this compulsive need to document what I was seeing there. I mean, I've been there tons of times since I was a kid, but kind of seeing it anew since I was radicalized by not just bikes, that was also a starting point for me. And 
uh, I started taking pictures and videos and I realized I have this spreadsheet. I can make a post about Honolulu. I can look at the transit. Um, I had started using Instagram because of climbing, actually. I posted like climbing videos and I've become more familiar with the platform. So I created the page. My first post was about Honolulu. And um, from there, I just kind of started posting more cities, more. I've been doing a lot of other kinds of content too, video and different things. Nice. And you're you're on you want to list off all the places people can find what you're sure. doing i know there's you're you have like a robust social media portfolio <laughs> thanks it, it seems like you're everywhere <laughs> yeah i've been working hard trying to establish myself in all these different places yeah so i'm on instagram that was sort of my main page at this point what i started with i'm on tiktok um i'm on twitter a little bit on youtube uh youtube is where i kind of really need the most support i I'm still kind of up and coming on there. It's tough to break in uh, with the YouTube algorithm. And um, I think that's it. I'm working on a, a website, but it's kind of, I don't know how long that's going to take. It's quite an ambitious project I've got. Nice. That's awesome. That And so you're saying all of this just kind of came to be within the last year? Yeah, pretty much just in, or like in the last, last six August? months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Thanks for thanks for doing what you do. We, you know, I don't know. I'm not assuming that you've seen our little um, commute and compare that we actually. Um, I did when I was with Mode Shift Omaha, which is a little nonprofit here. Um, but it kind of reminds me of some of what you're maybe doing a little bit, just like comparing the difference in trips and um, our little experiment involved uh, three of us meeting at the library in my neighborhood and then driving, pedaling, or taking the bus to City Hall. Um, and it was kind of a fun, we had like some little metrics and kind of graded every trip based on a lot of different things. I might send you that uh, if you haven't seen it. It's sort of reminiscent of what you're doing, although yours is a lot more like legit. Ours was just kind of a harebrained idea. That we had together. <laughs> oh, mine feels, still feels like a harebrained um, idea too. I, you know, I want to have more data points in there. It's right now just a couple model mm -hmm. trips, kind of looking at like three different trips. It's actually remarkably similar. It sounds like to what you're doing. I use City Hall as the starting point or end. Yeah, yeah. That seems like such a good um, starting or ending point because like everyone should be going to City Hall and talking about how transportation inequities oh, yeah. exist and need to be addressed. But ugh. what uh, what particular cities are inspiring you right now? I know you said that Honolulu was a little bit horrifying when you started looking at it through this lens. Is there um, a favorite city that you have right now or one that you've noticed <laughs> like, oh my gosh, they're doing it right? Yeah, any... Anyone from the urbanistry, I think, would have to probably say Amsterdam as one of the top cities, or really any city in the Netherlands. Um, they're a huge leader in transportation. They're they're doing it right. I mean, they're they're not perfect. They have, I'm sure, a long way to go too. They're always working on improving. That's something that um, Moda City Life, who also is like a someone I'm very inspired by, or a couple I'm very inspired by, they talk about how there's always ongoing improvements. But in terms of particularly in terms of cycling, Amsterdam is the, probably the most progressive city in the world. Um, and I'd love to visit, I'd love to go there. Um, it shows us how far we have to go that they still have stuff to work on and they're doing so well. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, yeah. A lot of us, I think, especially from like North America, see them and like what they're doing as kind of oh, the Mecca. Those are, that's the place. I'm also super uh, jazzed about what's happening in Paris right now. It goes to show what good local 
politicians are capable of getting rid of tons of parking and um, really focusing on non-car centric uh, transportation. That's another fun one to look at. I was having a conversation kind of recently about how it's interesting how so much of our influence comes from like Europe um, when South America is also doing some really interesting things. I'm just wondering if you've looked at any cities in South America that that you have you and I should pull up your you have like a on your Instagram I think is where I was looking where all the different cities that you have actually kind of run your metrics on have you looked at any in South America I have yeah and um yeah definitely we should not just be be focusing on Europe I mean Europe is I always kind of want to take it with a grain of salt using them as a as an example because they're colonizer countries their wealth is stolen um yeah South America has some great things I actually covered Bogota um, in Colombia, where there's this famous quote from, yes. I don't know, this quote has been attributed to different people, but one of the attributions is the mayor of Bogota saying that um, the mark of a developed country is not where the poor drive, but where the uh, wealthy take transit. Exactly. Yes. I don't know who said that either, but it's a good one. And yeah, could be so... So accurate. Definitely not the case in Omaha. I'm assuming you have not pulled any numbers on Omaha's car dependency. I'll save you the effort. It's uh, extreme, extreme car dependency here, which is why I think, you know, like projects like yours or projects like our podcast, are, I think just trying to get folks to start thinking about street by street differently, you know, whether it's, oh my gosh, those barricades are placed in a crosswalk because they're alerting drivers about what to expect, but they're completely negating other modes of transportation or like you're doing actual spreadsheets and data points showcasing yeah this is not the way to do it i think that yeah it's just fun when we're all picking our little piece of what we can do to kind of change folks way of thinking and looking at things and hopefully eventually maybe not in my lifetime at least not in omaha uh will it actually turn into really tangible results but it's good to hope yeah i think that's really the goal of my project to start is just to identify that there's a problem you know i mean it, i'm so new to this yeah. sphere to thinking this way i it's really easy to just mm-hmm. not be aware of car culture of how our cities are designed entirely around cars not people right. uh, so i'm just right. trying to wake yes. people up to that yeah. Awesome. How did you, what's your background? Like, how did you get into, I mean, you said maybe you were inspired by not just bikes. Was that kind of what, what you said radicalized you? Uh, yeah. What's, I mean, is that, is that something that you have studied professionally at all, or you just kind of got your eyes open to it once you experienced Honolulu? I'm just really curious, like how, how you kind of got into this type of stuff. I know I've been in the bike industry forever. That's kind of my mm, entry point. So I'm always curious as to how people um, jump into this delightful realm (laughs) yeah i'm totally an amateur um i have no professional training on this i'm still learning a lot um yeah my partner showed me he heard about a video about strodes from not just bikes um and strodes for the uninitiated are sort of a street road hybrid where they combine elements of highways or high-speed roads with a street which is sort of a low traffic like place where people walk, a complex environment, and they combine them in a way that is harmful. Um, That video really changed me. Um, It really set me on this path. I started watching all of Not Just Bikes videos. Um, There's a lot of other great urbanist creators out there too. Um, And that, like, it was like last summer that I first saw that. And I just started thinking and, and watching and learning stuff. And that kind of set me up for this year um, when I really 
uh, started doing advocacy work around this. Yeah, so that education from just YouTube definitely set me on this path. Cool. High five your partner for me for for starting to open your eyes on Strode's. Um, I think I read somewhere else, maybe on Instagram, that you, um, Cyclista, the zine uh, folks, have published something that you wrote. Do you feel like sharing anything about what that was? I have not found it and read it yet, but I plan to. Um, so if you want to share anything about that, I just thought that was another neat thing that I sort of have learned about you very recently. <laughs> yeah, that was a big uh, accomplishment for me to be published. I've actually wanted to sort of have always wanted to be published. Uh, I like to write. The uh, piece was, or the whole, their issue is about uh, cycling joy. So they're sort of focusing on this, what they call pleasure activism, which I think is such a cool phrase. I learned from Cyclistazine about how cycling is both activism and um, joy. Um, and I wrote a piece about community, I talked about community rides a little bit and how they sort of showed me a new way to care for the community, how the community cares for itself, solidarity with, with other cyclists in this very car-centric and kind of scary environment. Um, yeah, I highly recommend everyone check that out. You can um, go to Cyclista Zine's website and they have both an e-version of the issue and also they have physical copies as well. They're doing great work, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, another account that if y'all don't follow, you should, cause they, all, I, th I think they just always speak truth about stuff that sometimes people tiptoe around. And so I, I just appreciate kind of their direct nature of confronting a lot of the, the isms that we all encounter and sometimes ignore. Um, and yeah, pleasure activism. Are you familiar with Adrian Marie Brown? I'm not. I feel like that's who termed, coined the term pleasure activism. I have to double check, but um, yeah, I think that Something that caught my eye also in, in one of the things that you had posted um, and just like a lot of the conversations with folks that we have are, are trying to encourage um, obviously less car dependency, but just people focused planning and like human scale things. And it just seems like such a weird plea, like, please, it's humans that you should be building for, not our car overlords. But I just I think it's so interesting that that's a complicated concept for folks that are actually making decisions about the ways that we get around. Um, so I think the more that we can, yeah, focus on both joy and humans, that's really uh, a good goal. Are you feeling like in Winnipeg, I guess, okay, so I have so many questions for you. One, where else have you been traveling wise, living wise, whatever, where there was a city that you were in where you actually like felt a palpable difference? Like, oh my gosh, yes, this is a place that really understands human design. Is there a city that jumps out? whether you visited or lived there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I went to Japan with my partner a couple of years ago or three years ago. They're a huge model as well, which Not Just Bikes also talks about sometimes. Um, yeah, they have <laughs> eminently walkable neighborhoods. So like just the idea of having a you know 15-minute city, this is a term that's been thrown around a lot too, where everything you need is within 15 minutes of your home. A lot of the places we stayed in Japan and Tokyo and Osaka and like these, these bigger cities, for sure, there will be dozens of local businesses within like a five minute walk of your place, which is like pretty amazing. I mean, it's a little bit like that here in Winnipeg. I live in sort of the closest to that that we've got, I think, in this city. There are a lot of cool 
areas are, there's a lot of businesses around here that I can walk to. And I, that's something I encourage people to do as well. If they're able to, uh, on my page to live close to downtown, it really helps to live car free uh, as opposed to living in the unsustainable suburbs. Definitely. Do you, so to put you on the spot, how do you get around? Do you ride a bike? Do you walk? Do you take transit? Do you own a car? There's no obviously wrong answer. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely I'm not trying to attack car owners. I don't own a car. Um, we actually rent our, our parking spot, but definitely the way our cities are designed force a lot of people to drive, which is a huge part of the problem. I bike. Yeah, I take transit. I actually have been getting very into multimodal transportation these days, which is where, you know, you use multiple forms. You take your bike, throw it on the bus, things like that. Um, I've been doing that quite a bit to get to the climbing gym. I'd throw my bike on the bus. I'd have to bike the whole way. Um, And I walk. Yeah, a lot of walking in in my neighborhood because there's a lot of things that are five minutes walk. So it doesn't make much sense to, to do anything else. And I enjoy it. Awesome. And you're, so you did specifically choose your neighborhood because of the ability to be less car dependent. Yeah, for sure. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, we lived here six years and a lot of people still do drive who live here. Um, But Mm -hmm. it is, I think, the easiest neighborhood other than maybe downtown to live car free in this city. Nice. We, uh, my husband and I are hoping in the next couple months to be relocating from Omaha, Nebraska to St. Paul, Minnesota. And we are uh, we share a car. Um, and it's like so exciting to be thinking about like, oh, what are, you know, where are we going to want to settle down so that we can have good access to transit, bike infrastructure or walking? I'm not, I have a stupid hip problem. Um, so walking is never my preferred uh, mode of transportation, but my e-bike has become just a game changer for me. Um, and I think that, you know, earlier when we were talking about, like, I, I just was wondering if you'd been to a city um, where you feel just like you feel it in your bones that it's different uh, moving around as a human there. And you were talking about Japan. I feel like it's, you know, certainly just still the Midwest. But boy, the difference between riding a bike in Omaha and riding a bike in the Twin Cities, you can like feel it. It's, it's hard to almost articulate, but it was a really powerful feeling to be like, oh my gosh, people are not like swerving at me, flipping me off, trying to run <laughs> me over. Wow, what a concept. So um, I just think it's really cool when those of us who are lucky to experience places like that um, get to it. It just, it's, yeah, when you have that feeling, it's just a really, it is, it's joy. I was riding down the, um, along the Mississippi River in St. Paul and like almost laughing to myself, like, oh my gosh, separated infrastructure that actually goes somewhere. There's like a separate path for people walking than the people on the bike, which is of course all separate from where the car drivers are. Like it was just ah, possible, you know, I feel like, and I, that's actually part of the reason that I am excited to leave Omaha while I love it. And I am from here. Uh, it's not a super hopeful place for me these days when it comes to active transportation and just like the ability to live without fearing for your life, frankly, sometimes on two wheels. Mm-hmm. So um, Absolutely. just kind of interesting to, to ride and walk and whatnot in other places. The other thing is I am not really much of a transit user because in Omaha, it's really hard to rely on transportation in that yeah. realm. Um, but like there's trains. Oh my goodness. The green line connects like downtown St. Paul to downtown Minneapolis. They have a blue line that goes to the airport. Like I just cannot even imagine it's so yeah if you have like and, um, pretty poor transit like if you have only buses there's no rapid transit line there's no light rail 
And then you go to a place like, yeah, like Tokyo or, or Osaka, where you can literally get anywhere. The trains come every, like you walk into the station and get on a train. You don't wait. It's night and day. Yeah. No, like cannot, cannot imagine. We Omaha sort of recently, um, well, it was when the pandemic hit, uh, our bus rapid transit line launched. And so everyone's like, oh, no one uses it. It's like, well, it's, you know, a pandemic and it's, it's still <laughs> Omaha and people are still hesitant to use transit. It still has kind of that stigma attached to it. Um, but we are making slow strides. And now our big thing is a silly streetcar, which I don't know how much you know about streetcars. We are happy at least that they're not trying to call it transportation. They're mostly calling it economic development, but those are kind of just like a twisty thing. <laughs> yes, yes. White people carousel is what some folks call it. Because it's like it's literally a parallel route to our orbit line, our Omaha rapid bus transit. Um and it just seems just silly to duplicate that route when we really need north and south mm-hmm. routes that are reliable because historically marginalized folks are, live in north and south Omaha. You know, a lot of redlining, the effects of are still very visible yep. in Omaha. There's a lot of segregation and our quote unquote leaders uh, aren't really doing a whole lot about that but they are excited to spend a bazillion dollars to build some fancy trolley car that goes in circles um <laughs> from one parking lot to another so i don't know we shall see yeah i'm wondering about um do you is is vision zero a thing in winnipeg no i don't think so i mean we're actually really bad for that we've had we're having kind of like a record few years of, of pedestrian fatalities and this is something i'm also rallying against a lot a lot of victim blaming that i see in the media mm-hmm. like, yeah right <laughs> were they wearing kid? reflective safety vests? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's oh it's so frustrating in omaha or i mean everywhere i think really it's not it's not just an omaha problem but especially when you see like the police blogger or you know saying something like they definitely aren't saying someone driving a car killed a pedestrian they're saying oh a car hit a pedestrian or a pedestrian and then the the worst part is the pedestrian wasn't in a crosswalk it's like guess what jerks there isn't a crosswalk for like a mile from that intersection so do you think someone's gonna walk a mile out of their way to go to a crosswalk just no they're not so uh, we we have sort of recently adopted vision zero in omaha but it's now just like we need to have studies to see if we should shoot for it okay yes the study says zero is a good number <laughs> of dead people okay now we have to have a consultant to see if, you know it's just, just like stall tactics. having less people killed by vehicles is good yeah yeah right right we really had to get real about ooh, is that is that a good number zero it's a goal people yes that's a good number it's yeah wild. and it's possible it's achievable oslo Helsinki, yeah they've had zero fatalities a few years you know i feel like even jersey city uh i've read something recently about how they're doing really impressive work which like would not be my probable first guess but sorry jersey city i don't mean to <laughs> doubt doubt you i guess Ugh. um i guess Another question I have, and this is just something that we wonder a lot about, and since you're kind of newer to all this chaos, maybe this is an unfair question. Do you have any sense of how planning and public works work together or not together in your city? Because that's something that like we've we've had conversations with some other folks, and it's kind of like almost seems like the planners are on board for good ideas and public works are still citing studies from the 70s about how like pedestrians 
have a false sense of security when there's crosswalks, so we shouldn't put them. <laughs> Do you feel like that that type of stuff is playing out in your your neck of the woods or not so much? I, I think so. I mean, I'm not definitely not an expert on the local politics here, but I know that public works is considered a huge barrier and very like old fashioned, very um someone we're having to fight against to any yeah, progress so me. done. Yeah. Yeah. Public works. We call it like private broken here. It's like neither public nor work. <laughs> oh, well. <sighs> I am wondering, um, what do you think is going to be next for the car dependency index? You said potentially a website. What type of goals do you, do you see this becoming like your full-time thing? Do you, what are, what are your hopes for the future of this project? Well, it makes no money right now. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to have it be my full-time thing. I am putting a lot of work into it. Yeah, the website I have huge, a huge vision for. I want to have a proper index. I want to have every city on there. I want to have transit, bike, and walking scores, which I know exist already. But the people that do them now, it, it's kind of a corporate vibe. They have kind of a proprietary formula as well to create those scores. So I kind of want to do it better, have it be open source, let people contribute their own data, both um objective and also more subjective data what is it like what does it feel like to be a pedestrian or a cyclist in your city um and just yeah feature each city and sort of a frank and honest way in terms of how easy it is to live car free there could you walk us through how you go about rating a city at this point like um and i i should have your instagram stuff in front of me because i think that um Okay, I'm pulling it up yeah, sure. so I can look at what I'm trying to talk about. Okay, so for example, I'm just seeing a three out of five grade for Vienna, Austria. Um, you know, pick pick whatever city you want, but like how kind of walk us through how you come up with these scores. Yeah, so it's a bit arbitrary. Of course, any grade is, is arbitrary. Um, sure. What I do is... I run three different trips on Google Maps. So I run, I always run one from the airport to City Hall downtown. Um, and then I do a couple others that run from City Hall to a just kind of a random hardware store that's within five kilometers or at least five kilometers. Um, and then same for a, like a mall, some kind of shopping center. And then I combine these three trips. I compare how long it takes to drive versus taking transit. And if it there's sort of a grade breakdown based on how fast uh, transit is compared to driving. So for the city to get uh, four out of five, transit has to be as fast as driving or faster. Um, and five out of five means transit's like 25% faster than, than driving, which is exceptionally rare. Only Hong Kong. Yeah, no kidding. A five out of five. I'm sorry, Hong where? Kong. Where? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. I see it as I scroll. Interesting that Portland gets a one out of five. Yeah. <laughs> Houston, one out of five does not surprise me. Yeah. How did, uh, yeah, tell tell me about why Portland's such a shock to me. <laughs> tell me about my feelings. <laughs> yeah, I used to live in Portland and I biked a ton. It's known as a huge biking city. Uh, some people message me after being like, yeah, people bike here because transit sucks. Uh, it's okay. I've used transit in Portland. It's actually serviceable. It's slow. It's just really slow. Yeah, that's why they've got such a poor grade. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Same with Honolulu. Honolulu cool. got one out of five. LA got one. Houston got one out of five. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of cities with... 
Some of those do not surprise me. <laughs> Mumbai, four out of five. That's cool. Yeah, so the not interesting really thing about a city like that is transit is pretty slow, but driving is also pretty slow. So Worse. <laughs> yeah. It's just really dense. It's a different, totally different world. Yeah. And then Paris, five out of five. Man, between their transit and their bike situation... Je parle un peu de français. I could move. That's literally all I can say. <laughs> I don't speak, speak French, French either, French. but my partner does. Yeah. Um, yeah Paris oh, is really you inspiring. Perfect. You mentioned it earlier, um, in particular because yeah. they're changing so fast. Um, right, right. That's the thing that is the most exciting to me because, you know, so many times, whether it's Omaha or wherever, it's like, oh, you know, we're not Amsterdam. We're not going to be able to do that overnight. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, A, Amsterdam wasn't always like that. And B, if you want to talk about how it's not doable, tell me how Mayor Hidalgo's not doing. You know, like, it's just, it's so inspiring. And it really just goes to show, we got some feedback one time um, from a listener that our, our show's too political. And it's like, we're talking about transportation, which is like, sorry absolutely political <laughs> like you just you know you can't really separate oh, the two very easily not. so sorry dear listener <laughs> it is i guess a little bit of a political podcast um but yeah it just local control goes to show you that paris 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 and she got reelected. you know everyone's like oh that's not gonna work that's not gonna last it's gonna be super unpopular but then you know what? It actually helps everyone, whether you want to drive or not. And that's, I think, something else. Um, I think that I saw a slide um, of yours. Yeah, five reasons drivers should support reducing car dependence. And I think that is a crucial point because, you know, especially in, in a lot of towns in the Midwest, uh, there's not as many people on bikes or foot walking, rolling, taking transit as there are um, folks that are driving. So we really have to look at it from a more holistic conversation. And I think that it's just really smart to uh, to make sure that drivers understand that they will benefit too. Um, do you want to talk about any of the the points that you mentioned in that that five yeah. reasons drivers should support? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we do have to focus on on drivers for sure. We can't antagonize drivers. That's something I'm kind of wary of in the urbanist sphere. Um, drivers are it's a systemic problem. Um, and like, it's kind of like blaming cigarette smokers for, for smoking. That's how I view car dependence. People smoke because yeah. cigarette companies made them want to smoke. People drive because the city forced them to drive sort of, I mean, to an extent, um, pretty much the points in that post. Yeah. There's one that I've postered with quite a bit that the lifetime cost of a small car is $689,000. I think this is a huge point that driver, every driver should be aware of that it costs anywhere between eight and $13,000 a year for a small, modest car, one small, modest car. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone multiples that a lot of households have. Yeah. Or these monstrosity, like huge cars. Um, So the financial aspect, um, even if you'd love to drive, it's nicer to drive when there's less cars on the road, better for kids when there's less cars because kids don't drive <laughs> so yeah there's a lot of reasons that drivers should support totally. reducing car dependence and that is it for this episode of car free midwest we're here almost every other week with interviews topics and documentary pieces covering all things transportation you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook at car free midwest or visit us at carfreemidwest.com. So subscribe now to Car Free Midwest wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash carfreemidwest.